you, we can, you can cut out all that repetitive tasks and actually you can make much better decisions. You know, the decision making when you're running multiple channels is just so much more complex. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective Podcast, a subset of the Amazing FBA family podcast. And this one is for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers who want to scale their business and hopefully sell one day for a seven or even eight figure exit. So part of the channel as it progresses is we're tracking Amazon sellers as they go, not just on Amazon, but start to go multi-channel, which is the big buzzword for the for the bigger clearer thinking sellers out there and today's guest is going to help with that so paul sonnefeld of merchant spring is the ceo of merchant spring and merchant spring is there to help people with multi-channel analytics which can get very complicated very quickly so a very important job so paul welcome to the show thank you michael great to be here yeah great to have you here and i know you're over in melbourne I'm down in, in London, so the time zone difference has kind of just about worked. <laughs> Thank you for staying up late for us. And uh, the first question is obviously tell us a little bit about what you do at Merchant Spring, multi-channel e-commerce analytics. That's already quite a lot of jargon sounding words next to each other. Can you just break down for us in, in simple words what it is you do? Yeah, in, in layman's terms, what we've done is we, we offer our customers analytics and reporting platform that allows you to put all of the trading information together into a single business dashboard, specifically thinking about like, you know, aggregating information from multiple e-commerce channels and multiple marketplaces. So, you know, without sort of going to too much detail, that could mean if you're trading across six or seven different Amazon marketplaces, you could see everything in one dashboard. Or if you're doing, say, Walmart, Amazon, Shopify, or an eBay, again, you could bring everything together and uh, have one view of your business. Or if you're an agency, uh, one view of your client portfolio. That's really good to know. And, and actually, you make the point that eBay is, sorry, not eBay, Shopify is part of the, the mix. So you deal with direct-to-consumer sites as well as marketplaces. That's good to know. So really, yeah. I suppose it's, it's really any channel connected with a single business. That's... Yeah, so that's that's obviously quite a big thing. Now, I'm going to ask a kind of dumb-sounding question, but I, I think it's important to start with the why question. I always follow the format thing because you've got to get people's attention first. So why does this even matter? If you've got a, a few analytics here and some numbers there, is that a big deal? I think it's a great enabler to become a much better seller. So what we typically find is if you're selling just on one Amazon with one Amazon store in one market, things are fairly straightforward. You just have to be an expert in that space. But as soon as you start selling across multiple channels, across multiple countries, uh, and across multiple platforms, things just get complex really, really quickly, right? And before you know it, 
you're spending, you know, we've got lots of studies on this and we know this from our own experience. You'll be spending two, three hours a day just collecting information, trying to put it all together so you can get a bit of a view of what's going on. We're trying to take all of that away, put everything together so that you, we can, you can cut out all that repetitive tasks and actually you can make much better decisions. You know, the decision-making when you're running multiple channels is just so much more complex. You have to think about trade-offs, you know, particularly now. Inventory, for example, is, is pretty scarce, right? Um, are you going to send it to Amazon FBA? Are you going to, you know, shop, fulfill your Shopify channel with it? What are you going to do? How do you optimize? So, yeah, lots of complexity. And, you know, we're trying to do our little bit just to make life for multi-marketplace sellers a little bit easier. Yeah, that's music to my ears. And also, I think you make a very good point that actually, even in a pretty small business, actually, as soon as you're going between multiple places, you know, logging into multiple things, even within a set of central, God knows, it's got so many places, especially in the inventory side, they're like 20 reports buried away somewhere, aren't they, in, in Seller Central. And as soon as you do that, what happens, I find, is this, that you get busy and you feel like you've had a, a really stressful, therefore it must be productive day at work. But actually all you've done is gathered the information together, which is a kind of low level task, but the CEO level task, like where do you put your money and effort and where do you direct your team's money and effort, has been ignored because you've been so busy spinning the wheels collecting the information so i think actually it's kind of a hidden problem because if you're very busy collecting information you don't realize that you aren't busy processing it and making decisions and as you say those trade-offs right now are, are pretty brutal and it's kind of life or death for businesses i think right now if you, if you make a wrong inventory decision and you're totally out of stock somewhere or you completely overstock somewhere else then that's bad news isn't it this q4 yeah 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 well, it's easy to burn a lot of time. You know, you may, you know, like I'm probably guilty of that. Like as long as I tick a lot of boxes, I feel like a sense of achievement. But really, 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 I mean, have you really spent, you can only every hour you have, particularly in Q4, you can only spend it on. So how do you make sure you really spend it on on the right channel and the right set of activity and ultimately, you know, to, to drive profit, right? This is not about being busy. This is about getting money into your bank account at the end of the day. So Absolutely. You know, anything you can do to help there. Yes, absolutely. It reminds you of what Adam Hudson, who's another Amazonian, if you like, in Australia, says, I'm in business for leftover, not turnover, which I think is a great phrase and good to remember. So, okay, assuming that we believe that metrics are important to track and that you shouldn't be spending two hours a day just gathering them. By the way, a lot of people do this. You should probably, even if you don't use Merchant Spring, you should probably use a VA to do this so that you focus on the actual decision making. But let's assume that it's cheaper and more accurate to use Merchant Spring. What metrics then should we be actually tracking and what actually matters well we look at channels so first of all you know i'll try and give you the really short answer here because there's a long one first of all it's good to understand your total business performance right you need to understand all the channels what's working what's not working and ideally you want to see that at a sales point of view but also at a profit point of view right you want to understand you know if i look at the last few days which which of my channels are working and actually arming along nicely both in terms of sales and profit and therefore, I probably don't need to spend any time on today versus which ones actually are falling off a cliff and I need to jump on straight away. So for me, it's like being able to see uh, the relative performance is, is probably the number one metric, right? Within that, of course, if you're then looking at, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to sell something to make a profit. So that usually sales for me is all about inventory. You know, where is my inventory? Where am I running out? You know, one of the most popular reports is very simple report your top 10 sellers across all of your channels and your stock level of those 10 top 10, you know, because if one of those top 10 sellers runs out, 
you're going to have a terrible week. You know, you can try and make up and do everything you want, but you're going to have a gap that is going to be very hard to climb out of. So inventory is absolutely key. And then the other thing that a lot of sellers completely skim over, and I'm I'm so surprised. Like I have, sometimes I have to really explain what it even means, but that is seller health. You know, Walmart has seller health, Amazon has seller health, eBay has pretty much every marketplace. And that is making sure, particularly in Q4 right now, your seller health needs to be absolutely stellar. A to avoid the risk of you know your store being suspended, but there's lots of benefits in terms of you know organic ranking, you know badging on certain marketplaces and the like, and really keeping your seller health in top shape. Uh, it's actually fairly easy to do, but you have to stay on top of it every single day. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's incredibly easy to miss bits and pieces that can just suddenly turn nasty on you. I mean, I've got a, a really shamefully uh, no-brainer example, but I ended up with a sort of fairly dead, dormant Amazon account, which I kind of kept around and was about to sort of revitalize for some reasons and never got around to it. And And it had simply... I think two or three listings of which one actually had inventory and it, it just fell foul of a pricing uh, rule and suddenly the European accounts are suspended. Now, the irony there is that I was just going to shut it down and start a completely new business with a new Amazon account anyway and I was going to get in touch with Seller Central and I just wanted to leave in a clean exit but now that's preventing me from doing that and it, it reminds me of that uh, there's an old English saying that uh, there's a little sort of rhyme for want of a, a nail the shoe was lost for want of the shoe the horse was lost for once the horse the battle was lost and all for the want of a horseshoe nail and really selling on Amazon is exactly like that sometimes I've kind of created by complete ignorance and and uh, not keeping an eye on something that exact situation so i think that's quite common isn't it i mean if you know one one piece of stock goes into sort of five percent order defect rate on amazon and then suddenly your entire account suspended and then that has a knock-on effect sometimes on several other ones right it's a bit like the titanic the theory of watertight compartments doesn't actually mm. work when the iceberg yeah. hits right uh, do you see that a lot with your sellers or am i the only dumb one out there no, no, you know, we definitely see examples of that. Uh, and it's just so painful, right? Because, so yes, I mean, most sellers, you know, they'll, they'll write their uh, plan of action, you know, the appeal letters and all of that. And you eventually you will get there. But it may, I don't know what the, you know, it, in our experience, it can take up to sort of three weeks to get that done, right? You know, having to deal with seller support and getting the, the wonderful replies back from them saying it's not good enough, try again. You know, three weeks is such a long time. You, you're essentially just turning off the tap, right? And for no, for no, for many of your listeners, Amazon is by far their largest channel. You know, imagine just turning off that tap. It's might as well join the unemployment queue, right? And the other thing, of course, is every day you're not selling, your organic ranking of your top ASINs will start to degrade, right? So it's actually far more hurtful uh, than many sellers realize. And you know, the reality is most sellers kind of learn the hard way first time around and it never happens again. But gee, you really got to try and avoid this ever happening to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit like health generally, isn't it? I mean, most people kind of do what they want until they have a health scare and then, you know, they give up the booze and the fags or, or whatever it is that, you know, has caused them to have that first heart attack, hopefully not, or maybe some more minor scare, hopefully. But sometimes it does take a kind of Amazon account heart attack to remind you. I and mean, when I've just had a shot across the bowels, there's no revenue there, but there's a, certainly a delay to another major project. So yeah, it's, uh, I need to follow my own medicine here but it's very easy actually the smaller marketplaces with very little activity can sometimes be because to your point that it makes sense to monitor where the most sales are coming from and the most profit but on the other hand there's the the downside potential i suppose that if you've got a very very small marketplace that is neglected that 
the health risk can sometimes be quite big, can't it? Is that something mm. you see frequently as well? Yeah, I think sort of, you know, if I take a step back again, you know, there's some really great um, tools out there like Channel Advisor or Channel Engine that allows you to, you know, their sort of whole pitch is, you know, we'll get you on the X many marketplaces. And that's a great proposition. But the reality is, you know, Amazon is going to be 70% of your business. So what that means is, yes, you're pumping out listings and you're sort of getting sales and, and the mechanics are working, but you never look at them because you're so busy with Amazon, right? And then, you know, things go wrong, right? Ooh, uh, I'm on Walmart. All of a sudden, all my listings have turned to unpublished, right? Um, or there's, you know, I've run out of inventory. And, you know, these things just tend to hit you. And, you know, a lot of people, sellers are just leaving sales on the table because they can't look at that and quickly gauge what's going on, you know? And some of that's kind of a fair, you know, it's not like they have the time to invest hours, you know, trying to work through a small marketplace and sort out issues because there's an opportunity cost there as well. It's not easy. And this is sort of goes back to the point that I mentioned earlier around the complexity. On one hand, you do want to sell across multiple channels, but most sellers actually don't really have the time to, to put their best foot forward in every single marketplace. So you know, how do you manage that? And I think, you know, obviously that's the game that we play in. Yeah, and you make a very good point. And I suppose for me, there's the opportunity cost is the, I suppose it's not just, how can I put this? There's upside and downside potential, I guess is the kind of buzzword that people use in investing markets generally, don't they? And the upside potential, if it's big over here in say Amazon and it's small over here in say Walmart, I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but maybe that's typical, then that's one thing. Then there's a downside potential as well. For example, another more common thing on Amazon is that if you have, a, we've already talked about a product where the, the, the order defect rate goes high, that's a classic way of getting your Amazon account suspended based on really pretty small volume sometimes, isn't it? And mm. the other one, of course, is that you one of your moderately best sellers, but your best bestseller gets a one-star review and you just don't notice for two weeks, by which time... A, it's hit the rank, the conversion rate, so that started to dink your ranking and everything else. But B, it's a bit late to be going back to the person and trying to find the order and give them a refund and everything else, right? So how do you deal with managing this sort of downside opp opportunity? That's not the right word, but the downside potential side and, and sort of minimizing the damage that rogue elements can do, whether it's reviews or suspension, what do you call it, order defect rates or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, one of the features that we have built into our platform really from day one, partly because we got burnt ourselves, I mean, like we need to need to have this functionality, uh, is the ability to see that seller health rating. So, you know, obviously this is not a demo session of the tool, but if it was, I would show you the main dashboard and I would show you the health section where we show you all the channels connected and we flash that your health score, you know, green, amber, red, right? And as soon as, so take Amazon, really great example. As soon as Amazon lodges an A to Z claim or an order defect against your account, we pick that up through your APIs and we flag your account as being at risk and we put that in front of you. So the moment you look in the app, you go, right, I've got a couple of Amazon stores. This one uh, is at risk. And you can then click through and we show you straight away what's happening there. So we're trying to put, rather than you randomly digging through various health screens on Amazon and go, oh, actually, I've got an issue. We put that stuff right in front of you so that you, there's no reason you should you know, shouldn't find out, you know, the same day an issue has occurred, you know, whether it be yeah. a defect or a negative review or what have you. That's nice. And so, what I think is important about a dashboard situation is that if you have to proactively log into an account and you have, say, 10, you know, like, I don't know, five Amazon accounts wouldn't be 
unusual at all plus you know uh, a shopify account plus walmart plus ebay that's easily got us up to eight and then doesn't take much to go to more then that's a completely different situation because it relies on you do something very active and probably daily at that or a va and then you've got to manage the va and hope they're not off sick the day that all the default rate turns up yeah right? yeah, so yeah yeah makes a lot of yeah. sense to me now we've mentioned inventory a lot now that's clearly you know stock management inventory management whatever you want to call it is clearly a huge thing this q4 more than ever it, every q4 is a, a kind of you know stressful time for inventory but particularly with the shortages the slow global freight the massive increase in cost so how do you go about helping um, sellers with their inventory management look the, the main thing that we do uh, is provide a really transparent visibility of what their inventory position is at any point in time across any given marketplace and we take you know one of the things that um that we do is we always take the marketplace perspective. You know, a very common issue that we're finding is when I'm talking to a client, the first thing they'll ask me, well, can your tool also connect to my 3PL in North America or in Europe? Because we've got lots of inventory there. And, and my answer usually is, well, yes, we could, but we're not going to because we're only interested in what the consumer sees, right? If, if, you, have not, if you haven't loaded any inventory against your ASIN on Amazon and it's not available for sale, but you've got a thousand units sitting in a third-party warehouse, that's no use to anyone, right? So we are very focused on inventory from a consumer perspective. In other words, is this listing for sale or not? You know, and that's actually one of the key metrics we track. And then within that, you know, we've got more granularity, you know, whether it's FBM or FBA, you know, which listings are you know, at risk of running out, you know, where is the day's cover, you know, going down, you know, where do you want to be proactive in managing that? especially in this current environment where lead times, you know, whether it be international shipping lead times or even just getting things from, from Long Beach in the US down to, you know, FBA center, you know, everything just seems to take four times as long, right? And, you know, three times as expensive. So, you know, inventory actually, I'd almost like to make the prediction saying Q4, it's all about those who've got great inventory management are going to win the game. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And by the way, I think that's always true anyway, to a, to quite a larger degree than most people think. Because you, I, I don't know about you, if you hang out with an FBA center in Jan, FBA seller, I should say, in January, February, pretty much every single person, I put money on the fact that they will say, I was selling X products at Y units a day and this amount of revenue. And, and if we'd stayed in stock, we would have made Z. I'm like, yes, but... If we'd stayed in stock, sounds like that's an act of God, but actually you chose to price your product and keep the listings open such that you ran out of stock. And actually the whole art is to sell something more slowly at a higher price and make more profits. And that is that is a, a really, you know, an art as much of a science. But I think that that when inventory cannot just be replenished easily and quickly as we've been relatively speaking not easy is probably too mm. strong a word. We've been used to that for years and now that's no longer the case. I think that yeah, stock management's now gone from extremely important to the, you know, the make or break, isn't it? I think you're absolutely right about that. While you're mentioning 3PLs, one of the issues that's come up, of course, for Amazon sellers, unless you've been living under a rock, is that, you know, cannot ship stuff into Amazon in large amounts in the way that we've been used to outside of Q4, maybe, or mostly been used to. And 3PLs have therefore become much, much more important for drip feeding. So just to double check, can you actually connect 3PLs at all to Merchant Spring, or is that something you just don't don't get involved in? Yeah, it's, it's actually something we don't do. And it's more, it's, it's not because there's a technical difficulty, actually, 
Hooking up a bunch of APIs is fairly straightforward. It is actually, we do it for our philosophical reasons, right? Because we want to be true to the fact that what does a consumer see? So, because a lot of times, I mean, I sort of without labeling the point, a lot of times the root issue is there's a, there's a lot of um, stock in the 3PL, even for FBM listings, but there's an issue in the data synchronization, right? So whatever channel integration platform you're using, it is failing, right? The, the inventory is not being pushed to Amazon. On the one hand, you're looking at your 3PL and go, wow, this looks wonderful, got lots of units, great. But somewhere something is failing. And I think the fact that we keep flagging, you know, you've got no inventory on Amazon, it just keeps highlighting the issue until you fix it, right? Unless Amazon, Amazon doesn't know about it, we don't know about it. You know, that's the kind of philosophy that we shoot. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and so it's a certain certain approach, and I suppose that implies that people just need to keep an eye on their their stock in wherever stock in China, stock on the water, stock in three PL. There's a separate issue, which is fair enough. I guess you could overwhelm people with <laughs> with metrics quite swiftly if you kept an eye on all their stock ever. So tell me a little bit more about the the different places where your users are based let's get a bit more of an overview globally who's actually using this service is it mostly americans that are selling in europe or what what is what is the story there yeah yeah look so we we originally started here in australia but now we've you know we're very much a global business 50 percent of our users are based in europe predominantly western europe um you know the usual uk netherlands germany france a few users now in poland as well and it's slowly sort of filtering down to the southern southern europe the other 40% is North America. So that's predominantly the US, but you know, we're seeing quite a good uptake in Canada as well. And then the other 10% is a bit of Australia and a bit of everywhere else. So we have users in South America, we have users in you know India, the Middle East, uh, Asia, but you know, most of them focus on Western marketplaces. So typically that means obviously Amazon plus maybe a Walmart or a Shopify, you know, have you it might be worth just explaining to your users as well. We have got two or three types of users that use our platform. On one hand, we have the enterprise users, which are Amazon agencies and aggregators. So, you know, these are really sort of using our high volume plans to connect, you know, up to, you know, one of some of our largest users connect up to 400 Amazon accounts to a single reporting platform, right? So that's obviously on the extreme end and one over, one over here. Then on the other side, we have what, what I call um, professional marketplace sellers. And I use that probably a little bit loosely, but these are really the sellers that have been trading on marketplaces for a while, probably started off, say, on Amazon US or you know, in Amazon the UK. And as they built their business, they've sought to expand, right? Gone into other Amazon countries or maybe other marketplaces. And then now will be anywhere between five and 12 marketplaces that they're selling on. So it's really that professional seller. Yeah, that's interesting. By the way, I guess that what that means is your system is tested by and, and sort of honed by and you get the data from people who are doing, you know, very large numbers across a lot of accounts. So I guess you see patterns emerging very quickly from that. So what patterns would you say sort of, um, this is kind of a dumb question because it's so broad, but it's just a chance for you to sort of, you know, from the front line, give us a bit of feedback. What patterns are you seeing across uh, the board in terms of either opportunities or, or things that people are mistakes that people are making that we haven't already mentioned? The um, well, and see, and we see. Well, we see. I'll give you a couple of examples, but I would say I have to be careful, but just in case Amazon's listening here. As part of our developer agreement with Amazon, you know, we're an officially recognised Amazon partner. 
we, we can we, there's restrictions on us in terms of you know looking across accounts and drawing inferences from that. So I just want to put that out there for the record. Having said that, though, particularly as we talk with our agency partners, we have a great relationship with those guys. You know, what are the what are the key issues that they're struggling with or they're working with? You know, and you know, a couple that I, that I can think of would be um, going back to inventory. And I was late the point, but they're getting a lot of pressure from clients to say. You know, what, what is the next strategy, our advertising strategy? Or, you know, I've just noticed, you know, we can now, Amazon has this feature or that feature. Well, actually, a lot of times it goes back to inventory, right? You can do all the most wonderful PPC strategies and, you know, you know branded video and all that stuff. But actually, if your availability, and by that, I mean, it's the percentage of ASINs that actually have, is like 25%, you know, just focus on getting stock, right? And actually, a lot of where a lot of, Particularly agencies that do really well, they are just relentless about getting stock, getting listings, getting stock, getting listings, and just you know doing that. That's kind of one theme that I see. The other theme that I see is agencies are very focused on and key is are very focused on sort of the holistic picture around advertising. Right. So you know, I'm not a complete advertising expert, but I see a lot of commentary about ROAS and tacos and this and that. Well, actually, most agencies care about um, Tacos, right? Your total advertising uh, cost as a percentage of your total sales, and managing that to probably, I would say, sort of mid single digits. You know, that's what good looks like for a lot of them, right? As soon as it goes above six, seven percent, they start to get uncomfortable. You know, that's that's kind of a good benchmark. Obviously, varies by category. There. The other thing that's a really big topic for us at the moment is suppressed listings. So um, we've just released actually a new piece of functionality that will tell you which of your Amazon listings are currently suppressed, right? You know, for, for your for listeners that don't know, this is where technically users can still buy the product, but you're, you're excluded from the Amazon search results. So basically your organic sales drop away overnight. Uh, and this could be because of, you know, image compliance or title length or attributes, what have you. Um, just keeping an eye on those and making sure that your listings aren't suppressed is another great uh, way by which, you know, a lot of our sellers really maximize maximize that. Yeah, and there's some there's some others as well, but let me just pause there because otherwise I'll um, you know keep keep rattling them off. No, well this is good. I mean, actually, I'm I'm tend to ask you to keep going because in the middle we'll obviously you know just double check what it is that Merchant Spring does for people. But look, keep going. This is good. I really like this. I mean, I think by the way, just the stay in stock. Did I mention stay in stock is a really healthy thing? And as you say, yeah, I mean, advertising to sales ratio just as a percentage, it's, it's a very simple number because it affects your gross profit number, right? And if you've got no profit, gross profit left, you haven't got anything to have overheads, and you certainly won't have any net or pre-tax profits. So I think that makes sense. And six to seven percent actually quite low that's interesting to hear because i would have thought 10 percent or, or more would an average so that's actually quite reassuring that the agencies you're working with are obviously doing a good job for their clients especially in view of the fact that i think ad spend or ad cost sorry is average reason maybe it's 50 percent year on year june to june if you take some stats out there it may be more so actually a good obsession to keep that number low so they sound like intelligent agencies to me yeah go on T- tell us the other um, insights you're seeing out there it's interesting stuff well, the other thing I would say, and, and this is hard information to get out of the advertising console uh, and Amazon, and, and there's great advertising tools out there, and we've got an extensive advertising reporting suite, but I have not seen an account, and I'm talking about you know, people who are on LinkedIn and they are the most, you know, they're really held up there as, as PPC experts, and they are. I'm not, I'm not doubting their expertise at all. But you know, even in, you know, when I have a look at their accounts, I still see opportunities to improve. 
So, you know, if you quickly go, right, what is my, you know, what is my ACOS by product, by campaign, by ad group, and be able to quickly slice and dice that by time period, there's always more things you can do and more opportunities. So um, if, if you've, if you think that you sort of, you know, hit the absolute best you can do on advertising, I guess I just want to challenge you to say really, 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 you know, you know I, I reckon I can help you find more opportunities. You know, it's, it's kind of a never ending game, but the upside there is there's money to be saved or, you know, money to be reinvested in something that is, that it drives much better ROI for you. So that's certainly area two. Look, the other one I move on is, is profit, right? Um, you know, one of the insights that we've built, and sorry, this sounds a lot like a plug uh, for our tool, but, you know, I guess just give you the context, the reason we built some of this functionality, we feel that it really adds adds real value for customers. So the ability to look at your profitability of your account, you know, full profitability, accurate profitability at a product level, but then quickly look at the unit economics allows you to very quickly point out why you're losing money, right? So, it's, you know, I went through a couple of accounts last week where, you know, sellers were losing money on their products, on their ASINs. And you're looking at them, actually the number two reasons were waste, spending way too much on, you know, a product is, is selling for $13 on average in terms of unit economics, right? And they're spending $26 of advertising per sale, right? That's before any cost of goods or Amazon fees or anything like that. You know, that, that's a problem, right? And likewise, I've seen lots of examples where sellers are pricing the cost of their product below the, the, the cogs, the cost of the goods for that product. Now, there might be a reason. Maybe you're overstocked. Maybe you need to clear it and you need to write it off. There's always a good reason. But sometimes I think the relationship between the, the cost of the product and what I'm pricing it for kind of gets lost as you're in a race to win the buy box or drive sales. Uh, you know, that's somehow that that link gets broken. So again, you know. Yeah, I like that. This, this, by the way, I think a lot of what you're saying is kind of common sense, except that common sense isn't that common. <laughs> it's what I would say that forgetting to make sure your stock is actually available to buy, as you say, um, is a classic one. And everyone gets very, I guess it's because people are kind of sold into the Amazon business model by marketers and everyone's very marketing focused. But you've got this physical products business. It's not a digital product business. You can't just advertise all day and then sell, you know, Kindle books or, you know, online courses all day because that's, a, you know, kind of infinitely renewable resource, basically. And, and that's one thing that people forget. But also... Yeah, what you're saying is stuff that I see as well. I, I kind of feel like it's kind of hard. You have to kind of pinch yourself when you see those numbers to say, just a second, so, so hang on, you're spending $26 per sale and you're making $13 revenue. You know, you're probably losing $33 a sale or whatever. I mean, it's 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 sort of hard to believe that people do these things, but they do. And I think that, again, to your point and the functionality of what you you know your your software does is getting clarity so that you cannot bs yourself anymore is, is a great corrective to these crazy kinds of behaviors that people fall into if they're not careful yeah. so talking of which we better wrap up tell us a bit about the actual software what things that people are going to see if they use merchant spring yeah the first thing they're going to see they're going to see their entire business all of their channels in one view so we actually we're, we're one of the few, if not only, software platforms that allows you to give you a total business number. You know, this is the total, total amount of sales, the total amount of profit, or total inventory, whatever metric it might be. We aggregate that to give you an entire business view. And then within that, we show you all the differences. So you know, last week of my seven stores, which ones went backwards? Where do I need to focus my time, right? It might be profit, 
might be advertising, might be a range of managers. So we start really from that business view, give you that cockpit and go, right, here's an issue, here's an issue, there's an issue, that's where you need to focus. Everything else you can leave as is, right? And they could be sales, they could be profit, could be advertising, could be inventory, could be operations and the like. That's really the first bit of the, the tool. The second bit is really the time-saving bit where we, you can drill right down into a store, right? And you can toggle between stores, you know, as easy as I'm, I'm saying now. Uh, and you can see detailed reports, everything, a whole series of sales reports, profitability reports, buy box reports. You know, we would tell you where, you know, right now, if the buyer were to land on your page, are you going to win the buy box or not? If you're losing it, why are you losing it? Are you losing it to Amazon? Are you losing it to another seller? Or has Amazon taken the buy box away from you, right? So rather than looking at, say, a featured offer rate, which gives you some, some historical measure and it pets you on the back, you know, well done or not well done, we look forward and say, right now, if this, if, if someone's on your page, would you get the sale or not? So lots of buy box reporting there. Advertise, we've got an, a whole separate advertising reporting suite, you know, really to drill down very quickly and understand, particularly if you, you are spending time on PPC, you know, if you've got an hour right now, in which account, in which campaign, in which ad group are you going to try and optimize things? You know, that's what we try and answer very, very quickly. And then, you know, last but not least, I spoke about operations, but, you know, one of the great tools we've built recently is automated feedback, right? So the ability to solicit feedback automatically is just so important, right, in terms of building up the history. We've got a great tool there using the latest selling partner APIs to, uh, to do that for you automatically and also have the ability to exclude certain types of orders. To, uh, to make sure that you ask customers who you're really interested in. You know, I'll say that kind of in a very neutral way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're really interested. Yeah. So certain people you don't want public feedback from in any form. And yeah, you're wise to have that ability to exclude. Well, look, this all sounds uh, very, very good. I said common sense is the word that, that applies here, except that it's not common. I think having visibility of anything critical to your business means that, you know, I suppose visibility equals top of mind. Top of mind means you're actually going to do something about it, right? That's what strikes me about the value of something like this. So um, I'm just going to put out the, the first offer that we've got here. It's very simple. If you want to sign up for a free trial and also get a 50% discount for three months after that, I'll go to amazingfba.com forward slash merchant spring. That's amazingfba.com forward slash merchant spring. I'm saying the words clearly, but it's all one word, of course. And you'll get a 50% discount for three months by using the code amazing. So that's a very generous offer. And I know that that's pretty straightforward and the, the tool sounds really cool. So definitely going to be worth checking out for anyone who's selling multi-channel and doesn't have an adequate tool yet. The other thing is that you've got a podcast. Tell us a bit more about what you're doing with that podcast at the moment. Yeah, this is, it's called Marketplace Masters, you know, probably lacking a little bit of creativity. But right now, you know, we're all focused on Q4. You know, Q4 uh, is obviously the, the time when, you know, ideally, you know, you make hay while the sun shines, right? Although, you know, maybe there's not as much sunshine this year with all the challenges. But it's certainly going to be a big Q4. This podcast series is all about interviewing experts in the industry. So we're virtually talking to all the top agencies and aggregators and other experts, both in Europe and North America, you know, and we're really asking them a simple question, which is, don't give us the fluff, don't give us the speech, you know, right now, what are, what are you doing for your clients or what are you doing for your brands, if you're an aggregator, this week to put yourself in a good position for Q4? You know, there's always, assuming the view of, you know, yes, it's too late, you know, the ship sailed, whatever your strategy is, it is what it is, but we've been, every week, we're being pleasantly surprised by things you can still do right now, you know, whether it be some really great PPC tips to 
you know, some options around, hey, you know, some different ways to look at freight forwarders or, or moving stock around the country in order to still get it into FBA. So lots of very practical tips and trips. So um, make sure to check that out. Sounds great. Well, look, um, Paul, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. I know we're going to be talking about uh, European e-commerce marketplaces a bit in our next episode, but for now, it just remains for me to say, Paul Sonnefeld of uh, Merchant Spring, many, many thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.